Hello and welcome to another unexciting episode of the Hashtag Pistons Podcast. I'm Joe, I'm still your host. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Truck. You can read me on, of course, Hashtag Basketball. You can read me on Piston Powered. You can read me on Palace of Pistons and my own site, Truck Thoughts. Um, today we've got a special three-person pod, our first time ever trying that, so we'll see how that goes. Um, I have two guys with me, both of them right with me. I'll let them introduce themselves. What's up, everybody? It's Koo. I'm back after a, a brief absence that uh, Joe made sure to mention on last podcast. But uh, you can find me at Piston Powered. You can find me on Joe's website, Truck Thoughts, and you can find me on YouTube, uh, Koo's Ballroom. What's going on, everybody? My name's Tyler. I'm Tyler Mormon. Um, you can find me at T Mormon MBA, and you can read my words at Palace of Pistons. All right. So, yeah, so we got two guys on. Um, very happy to have Koo back. We missed him last night. He was supposed to be on with yeah, Martin, and he just he blew it. And um, also great, yeah, also great to have Tyler Mormon on for the first time. Um, he's written with us for quite a while. I like his stuff. Um, other than when I'm squashing his his hopes and dreams about Tony Carr. <laughs> yeah, you always bring out the stats when I get my hopes up and bring you right back down. All right, so we have. In case you missed it yesterday, so Koo didn't show up even though he was supposed to, and me and Martin made some jokes at his expense. The way Joe makes it sound like like I was just purposely skipping the pod. I just you know I was busy, and you know maybe and I just you know was really tired, so I may have passed out and not woken up to. Well, so here's here's the thing, okay? We messaged you that we were gonna start at like ten. Yeah. I sent you the first message to tell you we were getting set to go at like 9.45. At 9.20, you were in the group chat talking about how you just finished making a rap song. So yeah. you really have no excuse, my man. So I mean, hey, here's what it is. Regardless, um, we did make some uh, comments at his and Derek Rose's expense. And so Winku joined the the Discord chat here. He told me that he needs a section of the podcast to come at me. So in the itinerary, after intro, we have Koo coming at Joe. So, Koo, rant, please. Take your time. Um, and it's not just Joe. I want to make sure I, I'm clear about this. It's Joe and it's at Sham Sham God. I'm making it very clear so you guys can go find him on Twitter. So not only... Do I listen to this podcast you made yesterday, Joe? And I find out that the first like five minutes is you and Mark cracking jokes about me and and my and my boy Derek Rose. And then along with this, I wake up to Sham just like coming at Derek Rose like out of no reason, and and you joining him. And then so this is why I gotta say since you guys have started this, each time Derek Rose has a good game. I will make sure to come on this podcast and I will mention it just like I'm doing it right now. Derrick Rose played tonight. Uh, the Timberwolves won 131-123 over the Cavs. Derrick Rose played 23 minutes and he had 12 points, 8 assists, 4 rebounds, and was a plus 20 on the game. The highest on his team since I know you guys like to point that plus minus with Derrick Rose all the time. You know, he was plus 20, highest on the team. So I don't want to hear nothing about him for the next day. You guys deserve to be quiet. And and once again, if you guys ever, 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 ever try to come at me again, 
there will be some flames coming out my mouth, I tell you. Hey Tyler, hey Tyler, I've got a quick question for you. Could you um tell me what is what is the Cavaliers um guard rotation? Um it's it's actually quite extremely deep. They got Colin Sexton and Jordan Clarkston. Um, and I think that's about it. It used to be the ghost of Derrick Rose as well, but he's moved on. Well, they also, so let's see. So you've got Colin Sexton, who's a rookie. You know, what are rookie point guards? They always suck, right? Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, they've also got Jordan Clarkson, right, you said? Um, does he play much defense, Tyler? I'm curious. Um, I think it's safe to say defense isn't his, uh, strongest, strongest, um, I'm going to stop you right there, Joe. I'm going to stop you right there. So if your argument against me is that, oh, the Cavs' guard defense is just so bad, can, can I ask you why Jeff Teague didn't have such a great game? You know, the starter, he was 3 of 9, 9.7 assists. What, 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 what about him? What happened there? And he was uh, even. He was plus zero, so he was just even while he was on the court. What, what happened with uh, with that one if they're so bad? Why, why didn't he have such a game that D. Rose had? You see, Koo, here's the issue, okay? You're trying to argue in favor of Derrick Rose by suggesting he's better than Jeff Teague. And that's going to be... I'm not suggesting be... he's better than anything. I'm saying that he played better than him last night. He played really well last night. And I'll be making sure to come on here and I'm going to notify everybody that listens to this, including you and that, ugh, of sham, sham God over there, so, what he does. So, so, so just, to make, just to make this clear then, in the future, your barometer for Derrick Rose not being terrible at basketball is that he outplays Jeff Teague. That's your barometer. No, it's that he played, I mean, Joe, him having 12 points, 8 assists, 4 rebounds, plus 20 in 23 minutes off the bench. Is that just, what, what so we're going to just poo-poo that like that's not good or something? I mean, we're also not talking about um, Atlanta Hawks coach Budenholzer, Jeff Teague, either. This is living in his parents' basement in Minnesota, Jeff Teague. So, so what are you guys saying? Are you guys saying Derek Rose is better than Jeff Teague or, or what? Because just like two episodes ago, Joe was telling me that he's not even close to as good as Tyus Jones. So if, if, if Derek Rose is better than Jeff Teague, but Tyus Jones is better than Derek Rose, is Tyus Jones apparently the best point guard in the roster? Yes. I think so. Yeah, we've actually, this has actually been established before Koo. So, okay, so do you think Derrick Rose is better than T? No. <laughs> so what's your point right now? I'm saying the fact that it's to the point. Derrick Rose has fallen into such the of a gutter of NBA basketball that you're trying to argue he's not trash because for one game against what literally is probably going to be one of the worst defensive teams in basketball... He had a better game than Jeff Teague on one night. It's not just the fact he had a better game than Jeff Teague. And, I, and once again, I wouldn't be coming on here. Like I said earlier to you guys, I'm not, I, I don't just come around mentioning Derrick Rose's good games to you guys. It's when you guys was out of nowhere. I woke up this morning. For everybody that's listening here, we have a group chat. And I woke up this morning for no reason at all. Just, just Derrick Rose hate coming out of the group. And, like, it was not needed. I didn't do nothing to deserve that. So, since you guys want to still hate at me, and you guys apparently talk about him more than I do, you haters out there, I'll be sure to counter it because I'm the leader of the Derrick Rose fans, and it's my job to make sure I do so. Is there really a leader of the Derrick Rose fans? I think they're just they're really I they're just myself the leader. Yes, they're just kind of a mob of just angry, bitter people. It's not angry, bitter people. We like 
we just support our support our man, you know. But you guys must want to take it to another extent. It is what it is. Like I'm sure when the Timberwolves play next, I'll be back on the podcast. He's guaranteed to have another good game because you know who are they there, playing? Bro, so who are they playing? I'll be sure to come back on here again. Who are they playing next? Who's their next game against? Um, let me check for you. Their next game is against the Mavericks. It's also not that hard to look good when the Timberwolves' thirty million dollars center, Carl Anthony Towns, is averaging ten and nine right now. So yeah. you got to keep that with a peace of mind. Hey, remember when people were on Twitter telling me that I was stupid for suggesting Andre Drummond's better than Carl Anthony Towns? I remember. <laughs> but Joe, he's young. He's got a lot of promise. You have I mean, to okay. think about that. Just be clear about this. I'm not denying that. And, like, if Carl Anthony Towns ever decides to start to, like, give even a single crap about playing defense, he probably will be better than Andre Drummond. The dude is in a, even though he's only averaging, like, 10 points a game in the first two games here, he's an absurd offensive talent. There is no denying that. But, like, you can't win with a big man who gives such little of a crap on defense. There's just, there's a reason that teams with bad defensive centers aren't often that good. But... You know, with Koo talking about the Derrick Rose fandom, there's one thing. I tweeted this earlier today. but So this summer, I just kind of happened to end up following a couple of different um, Thunder fans. And let me tell you something that I've learned about Thunder fans. The cult surrounding Russell Westbrook is utterly absurd. I'm not sure that it's matched by anything other than Kobe stands, truthfully. Like, they just... It's, I'm, I'm afraid to interact with these people anymore because I once got, earlier this summer, I got just piled on by like 300 people or so. I got some mean DMs, the whole kit and caboodle because I said something negative about Russell Westbrook. So I just figured I'd toss yeah, I it have a, my One of my boys from Chicago, he's a, he's an Oklahoma City fan. He's a mega Russell Westbrook fan. He, I don't think he's not to the point of what you're saying, going someone's DMs and start getting wild with it. But he's definitely, I wouldn't say he's a stand because he used to be like one of those stands that say uh, Westbrook's better than Curry. But he's chilled on that. So well, okay, okay, just say, just say. Let but me give you the context here. Bad. Let me give you the context here. So there was a tweet that was, What can Steph Curry not do? And one of these fans responded, Guard Russell Westbrook. And I was kind of like, I mean, can Westbrook guard Steph either? And that's all it took. I didn't say anything else beyond, is Westbrook guarding Steph back very well? That's all I yeah, said. Yeah, that was a bad mistake. They piled on. It was bad. That's all I'm saying. We don't need to go any further now, into I that. I do believe that like the their fans, the fans of Russell Westbrook have like taken slight over the past two years because... Um, when he aver- when he averaged that triple double and won MVP, there were a lot of people just like, I mean, I wasn't as as big and crazy about it as as some of his fans were, but to average a triple double is is obviously a, no easy feat. But there are a lot of people that maybe just try to poo poo that. And then this that past year was not as good as his MVP year, and he averaged a triple double again last year, didn't he? And no yeah, one was really did. talking about it. So it's like a lot of his fans was like, look at the box score. And see that he averaged a triple-double and was like, oh, look at all these guys. Oh, it was triple-double. And then they tried bringing the fan stats. And it's like, oh, they're trying to say it's not that good. So, blah, blah, So, they, like, take a slight with it. I, I see that happening more over the past two years. But, I mean, it is what it is. 
Okay. I think a lot of people were talking about it, though, but they're talking about it from the aspect of calling him a stat stuffer, a stat chaser, taking rebounds away from Steven Adams, and a lot more negative looks on it for some reason, which I didn't really understand. I mean, the first year, this triple doubles, I respected that one a lot more than I respected this past year. I think what he did the first year was was great. I think he did – I think it was really good how – I mean, he carried that team to the fi- – uh, not finals, well, uh, <coughs> the playoffs. And, and while they didn't, like, advance anywhere, I mean, that's still a pretty good feat to do while averaging triple-double. And that little stretch he put on at the end of the year when he hit that game winner against – I think it was the Magic. He hit that game winner from almost half court, like – he put on the first year with the triple double was really good. I respect it, but this okay. past year it wasn't efficient. It wasn't like I feel like it, he hurts the team in some scenarios. But like I feel like some of the hate towards Russell Westbrook is indeed like maybe too far, and they take way exception to it. Okay, like okay. to the point of like Joe's talking about going to DMs, which yeah. is insane. But. Okay, so I'm gonna cut off that conversation. This is a Pistons podcast. We're almost halfway through it, and we haven't even talked about the Pistons. So we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna swipe onto a different onto a different road here. Um, so me and Martin talked about this a little bit in the last pod, but obviously Koo wasn't there. He was off on his Derrick Rose, and Tyler hasn't been on the pod yet. So what are you guys' general thoughts on the Reggie Jackson and Ish Smith combination? Because that's to me that's one of the more interesting questions early in the year. So, Koo, you go first, and Tyler, you follow. So, yeah, just basic thoughts on that sort of dynamic of those two playing on the floor together. Um, actually, I'll let Tyler go since he was the one that mentioned it, said he wanted to talk about it. So I actually want to hear what Tyler has to say first, if that's fine. Um, I think, honestly, offensively, I loved it. I think it generated a lot of looks that maybe we weren't able to get last year. Um, uh, Reggie's shooting, obviously, isn't supreme or elite but it's enough to be recognized and that gave ish a lot of spacing to where i think joe you mentioned this in the last pod with martin where it gave him a lot of open slashing looks and i love that but i think the part where it's gonna hurt us is defensively i was looking at some sizes and measurements matchups from the nets game um ish is six foot and reggie jackson six three at least that's what they're listed at and Dinwiddie and Levert are both 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, so defensively, I think that's a big mismatch, which kind of hurts us. But I, I definitely enjoyed the looks that it brought offensively. Uh, yeah, the, I think the defense, me and Joe, I believe, touched on this. Levert, I don't think would have been, I mean, he may have had a good game. I mean, I, I like Levert. I think he's a good player. But I don't think he would have had as good a game as he had if Stanley was healthy or even Reggie Bullock. But, like, I agree with you. The Nets had two pretty tall guards. So, yeah, it would be an issue defensively, as we saw later on in the game. Levert was literally just going anywhere and doing whatever he wanted to do. Here, just, to, but like, yeah. just to interject myself on this a sex, um, just because on that note, me and you, Koo, we talked quite a bit about how we were really disappointed in the Pistons' defensive effort in that game. Um, yes. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but so I started my um, film review of that game, and I've actually got to finish it tonight, which is going to be miserable. I'm probably going to be up to, like, three tonight. but um, So I started on that, and I was looking at some numbers, and obviously it's one game, but the Pistons' defensive rating, they still ended up only at, like, I think it was, like, 97 points per 100 possessions, which mm-hmm. is actually, like, that's actually a really, really, really good mark. So Yeah, they did a lot better in the second half. That, the, it was more of the first half with effort in the defense. I mean, well, it wasn't, I, I even, don't think it was good at any point, but... 
It was um, better in the second half. On my first watch through, you know, when watching it live, not my first watch, you know, live, I was even there were some points late in the game where it was just like, man, this is a freaking layup line. And that yeah. is still true, but just because we we talked a lot of bad stuff about the defense in particular, I did with the defensive scheme. And while I still do hold on to most, pretty not even most, I hold on to all the things that I said there. It's just it wouldn't be fair of me us to trash the defensive efforts so as much as we have, without at least mentioning that you know at the end of the day yeah. the Nets actually they were not efficient scoring like in in terms of results the Pistons defense actually got done now obviously most teams are much better than the Nets <laughs> so. It won't work as well if they execute so poorly. But I just wanted to toss it in there. Sorry to derail you. You can keep no, talking yeah, about whatever it is you were uh, saying. Just, just real quickly, I haven't looked back at it, but thinking back on it, I mean, D'Angelo Russell had a pretty bad game. I, the more you think about it, it was more Karis LeVert and just Dinwiddie taking advantage of those two matchups. I don't think anybody else really on the team had a, a pretty good offensive game. I think it was just those two, more LeVert towards the end. But, yeah, with the If Smith and Reddie Jackson thing, we just talked about the defensive side. The offensive side, me and Joe, I think we talked about this, maybe not on the pod, but we, like, hit on it a little bit. Um, with Ish not being able to shoot shoot the three as well, which he's shooting a lot of them so far in the season. He's shooting more than he has in the past. But, yeah, I agree with Tyler. I like the, the fact that we have, like, two playmakers on the court, and that always helps. And Reggie Jackson, he took – what was it, Joe? We talked about this last – he took nine threes last game? Yeah. Yeah, he took nine threes. So, I mean, he only made two of them, but I expect him to shoot better than maybe not take nine of them. But I do expect him to shoot better off the ball. And just the fact of having two playmakers along with, like, if they're out there with Blake, you have three playmakers out there who go out there and you don't have to put the burden on one of them or more than the other. You got three out there that have an option of playmaking and making uh, shots for everybody else. So I, I think that helps the offense as long as, uh, not Stanley. As long as Reggie can shoot uh, decently from outside, and Ish can be steadily improving from outside, I think it could work out. But maybe the thing I worry about with it is the fact that I'm not sure if the offense will end up outweighing the defense with big guard lineups like you did with the Nets. Yeah. Well, with Jackson shooting, he did go two for nine from three, but it's worth noting that I think two of those three pointers were. Um, involved in the shenanigans at the end of the game. Don't so please. It's not, not necessarily that was driving me insane. Yeah, like, we, what are you doing? We had a whole Do section. Something. Quit pounding the ball out. But so it's not necessarily that Reggie shouldn't take nine threes in a game. It's that he needs to not do that. I think one of them actually the was. Took nine threes, I, think. I think one of them was actually earlier in the game, um, but it was a late shot clock situation. But and that's one of the things about. Jackson's shooting numbers that has always actually been a little bit um, deceptive about them is that, you know, when you look at his synergy charts, he's actually a above average spot up shooter. Just he has the ball so much that he takes a lot of really tough three pointers. So particularly with Blake, and once again, like me and Koo talked about this on the last podcast, not the last one, the last one he was on, that, you know, in the past, Reggie Jackson has to take some of those impossible shots because. It's either him or Tobias Harris, and Tobias Harris isn't just, he's not the same level of isolation scorer as Jackson is. But now that you've got Blake Griffin on the roster, there's not 
much excuse for Reggie Jackson to be taking those just absurdly difficult shots because there's not only is there another guy on the roster who's capable of it, there's another guy on the roster who's actually better at it than he is. So, yeah, um, that's that's the Jackson. Do you, either of you guys have anything else you want to touch on with the Jackson and Ishmith combination? Um, the only only other thing that I would note is that I don't. I know we mentioned the number of threes that Reggie took. I think that'll get lowered. Except, except, same with Ish as well. Um, Luke only played 19 minutes, I think it was. And plus, we didn't have Reggie, who's our other sniper out there. I think when we get both those shooters out there for their full rotational minutes, those numbers will go down. Other than that, I don't really have anything else to add. Okay. And, of course, the other Reggie is Reggie Bullock, just to make sure we're not getting the Reggies confused. <laughs> All right. Oh, real quick, Joe, real quick. Yeah. Can you say Reggie Bullock again? Bullock. It is Locke. He, he, okay. he, he, was, he was asked about this last year. And he told them it's Bullock, as in lock, like you lock a door. So until, okay. unless he says something else, that's how I'm, I know it sounds weird. That's not how I used to pronounce it, but I saw a thing where he told, um, uh, I think he was talking to Johnny Kane, actually, on the TV broadcast. And he was like, is it Bullock or is it Bullock? And Reggie Bullock said Bullock. So that's how I'm pronouncing it until yeah, I hear I, differently. I, I, the only reason, only reason why I asked is because, uh, my girl listens to the, the podcast, and he, she hears me say Bullock, and then she hears you say Bullock. And she's messaging me, she's like, is that like, is that just the way he talks, or is that how, how he's actually pronounced? And I was like, I'll, I'll ask next time I'm on here. Yeah, so, I mean, maybe, you know, I, there's so many guys that they say different. Like, Frank Nielakina of the Knicks, Frankie Smokes, he's, like, on record talking to people and he's told people to pronounce it differently. So I don't know if he, if Reggie's having the same sort of a thing, but just, I saw a thing where he said it was block, like you lock a door. So that's how I've been doing it until otherwise. Um, so we're already over 20. So we're actually going to skip one thing. We're just going to go straight into a preview of the bulls game, which will of course will be their next game. When this comes out, this is going to come out on Saturday morning. So the Bulls game will be tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It is in Chicago, so the Pistons will be playing their first road game. The Bulls played on Thursday night. They got beat by, I think, like 17, 18, or 19 by the 76ers. Um, the one good news that the Bulls got out of that game is Zach Levine, or Zach Levine, I don't know which way it is. He actually looked pretty good. He looked pretty spry. I think he scored 30 points or so. Yeah, he did. So... You know, it looks like he's going to be... I mean, who knows exactly where he'll end up as a player. I think his ceiling is something akin to uh, a sort of a guard version of Tobias Harris, which is good player, but not much more than just a good player. But regardless, he's certainly... Think that's a, his ceiling? Yeah. yeah I mean, okay. yeah, kind of like a guard version of Tobias Harris, a guy, a really good scorer, but not a good defender, not a good distributor, and... Probably not a good enough scorer slash distributor to be the number one option in a at least a good offense. So still a good player. I I actually didn't. I you know a lot of people made a lot of fun of the contract the Bulls gave him, and it's more than you probably should than he probably should have gotten. But I actually didn't hate it that much because if he reaches that ceiling, you know, if you just think of a you know think of Tobias Harris. I mean, what did he get? He got. It, the Levine contract is like twenty million a year, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's not you know that's not that bad. I mean, you could certainly do worse than that as far as contracts go. But regardless, he looks like he's healthy, 
which obviously last year he didn't look right, which is understandable coming off an ACL tear, and which ironically happened against the Pistons two years ago. But mm-hmm. so yeah, he looks healthy, which is really good for them because if he still looked really bad, then that contract suddenly goes from eh, it might be okay to this is disastrous. So yeah, um, Ku, you go first, and Tyler, you follow. Just sort of give your thoughts and preview on the upcoming game. Um, actually, since you were talking about Zach Levine, let me just say something about him. I'm actually a pretty big fan of his. Uh, I think he did. I, I think he could get to where you're talking about the little Tobias Harris on guards. Obviously, I think what he needs to improve. I think he's a, he can be like a really good scorer. He's extremely athletic. Like anybody who thinks that he like lost anything from the ACL injury, he doesn't have the hops he used to. It, he he still is freakishly athletic, so he still has that, and I think he's already a pretty good scorer. He his thing with me is defense, and he has to improve as a distributor. Well, Which, he he is already a good scorer. Um, his last before he tore his ACL, so his last healthy season, which was two years ago now. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I'm not gonna bother bring them up, but I'm pretty sure he scored. He was scoring like 19 points per game on a true shooting percentage of like 58% or something like that. That's actually one of the main reasons why I made why I made the Tobias Harris comparison for him because even though I'm not sure that he's got enough of a arsenal, so to speak, to be like a really high-volume scorer at good efficiency, but he's proven that he can, at least on a bad team, which that Timberwolves team that year was still pretty bad, but he's proven he can put up points and do it really efficiently, so he is a good scorer. But with his defense, you do have to note, and this is a difference from Tobias Harris even, like, in the past at least, he hasn't just been a, well, he's not a good defender. He's been legitimately one of the worst defensive players in the NBA. So that's, he he has a lot of work to do there. But, you know, regardless, it's really good news for them that he looks better. So, Ku, you can keep talking. Yeah. So that's all I got to say about Levine. Um, Another thing about the Bulls, since... We're talking about it. Uh, Jabari's coming off the bench. I have a lot of friends from Chicago, so like I, I keep up with the Bulls. And um, Jabari's coming off the bench, which a lot of um, my friends in Chicago are confused about. I read a little bit about it. Uh, apparently, his defense was like so horrid during like the preseason that like Fred Hoiberg just like we're gonna bring him off the bench and we're gonna try to make him a point forward off the bench, which I think will be fun fun to at least follow and see how it goes. And watch. I'm going to be looking for that in this game. But um, another thing is I'll be looking for Wendell Carter Jr., how he how he handles himself against Andre and Blake. I think that would be a good match, whether he's gotten uh, Dre or or Blake. I don't know which one. Is, here, here. Let me, one, let, me, let me tell you how Wendell Carter Jr. is going to handle Andre Drummond. He's not. <laughs> like, skinny <laughs> 19-year-olds, skinny 19-year-olds don't handle Andre Drummond. There's a well, reason. Yeah, not hand, he's not gonna, I mean, I'm just saying. Like, I just want to see how he how he does against him. How yeah, he, I mean, he'll probably he'll probably do some stuff. He's a good athlete. Um, mm-hmm. He seems to play hard generally. But like, I mean, think about in the last game, even against Jared Allen. Jared Allen is good. Like, he actually is quite good. And he's too much of a skinny teenager. Like in the second half, it was just brutal watching him try and box out Andre and Blake. He could not physically do it. So yeah. just to answer your question, that's how he's going to handle them very, very poorly. Yeah. So, yeah, Tyler, you should give some thoughts on some of this. You've been quiet for a while. Sorry. 
Oh, no problem. Um, I think another player to look for, if we're talking big men here for the Bulls, um, honestly, to me, a dark horse possibly for most improved player is Bobby Portis. Um, last He's game, he put up 20 and 11, I believe, and looks pretty good. Um, it'll, I think it'll be more interesting to see what he does against our big men. And touching on the point where Cool was talking about Jabari coming off the bench, I think Bobby coming along is a big reason why they put Portis, I mean, Jabari on the there bench. There was a... Uh, Bobby had like a little contract thing going on, right? Right before the season, they offered him something he thought was disrespectful and just like, you know, I'm just going to play for myself, right? Yeah, something like that. I don't remember exactly yeah. how it went. I didn't follow it that closely. But, yeah, there was some sort of shenanigans with the contract going on. Um, I do want to say one thing. Now, Ku, I know that you really like Jabari Parker. And for what it's worth, I like Jabari Parker, too. I liked him on the Bucks. I'm, I'm not as big a fan of him as I used to be, but I do think that he still has upside. Yeah, and I think he's got upside too. There are a couple of points, um, in particular before he, I, I he's been injured so much it's hard to keep track. But I think, I think it was two years ago, he had a stretch where he scored almost twenty points per game two years ago. I think, and it started to look like he was really putting it together. But the fact that he's coming off the bench and they're trying, you know. There is some logic there, but there's no way to paint that as a good thing. Like, that's a very bad sign because this Bulls team is not good. And the problem is that really one of Jabari's biggest problems is it's still not really clear where his sort of, not necessarily just what position does he play, but like where does he fit on a roster? Because it's like, is he a power forward? Is he a small forward? Um, is he a guy who's, you know, is he a Paul Pierce type of sort of, he's a good scorer in the mid-range and sort of oversized guy against some forwards and can go around bigger guys and decent facilitator, is he going to be his point for, like, it's just, it's not, it's a, it's not a good sign that he's coming off the bench already because yeah, this Bulls I team is, he was a, he's a player definitely to me that relied a lot on his athleticism in his early days in Milwaukee when he really started to shine and I think, those repeated leg injuries, ACLs, and stuff like that just made him half the athlete he used to be, and he can't, like you were saying, Joe, blow by the big men and stuff like that. So it's going to be really tough for him, um, kind of to put it in Pistons terms, to rearrange his game like how Blake did, to get away from relying on his athleticism and his bounce. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes with that. Well, the other thing is that Jabari Parker's not been, and I don't want to be too harsh on the guy because, once again, he's been hurt a ton, but... It's been pretty well documented that he's not exactly been super diligent about keeping himself in great shape, which is just because you brought up Blake Griffin. That's something that, you know, for all the crap people give about Blake Griffin, about how he, you know, he's doing comedy and all this other crap. Dude very clearly does a lot of work on keeping himself in great shape. Um, Jabari, there's been some pretty well documented instances that, you know, he's not exactly done a great job of that. And. You know, being injured and not working super hard to keep yourself in tip-top shape through all that is a bad combination. And I think there is probably some truth to what you're saying there, Tyler. That's just, he just, you know, he just doesn't have um, some of the bounce and quickness and explosion that made him, you know, made him such a special prospect initially. And I I still think he can be something for sure because he's a really, he's a talented player. He's a good shooter. He's got good feel for the game, but just, I mean, his defense is just, I'm, and that's the reason he's coming off the bench, like you said, Koo. 
his defense has just dropped so far that if you want to be that bad of a defender, you have to be a really, really, really good offensive player. And I'm not sure if he's going to be able to do that or not. But you were going to say something. Could go right ahead. Um, yeah, I was just going to say, uh, you guys have touched on this, but I don't think, I don't know if I believe much that his athleticism has just dropped off. I've, I, I'm not going to sit here and act like I've watched like 82 games each season of him, but I feel like I've, I've watched a decent, decent chunk of them. And I still see him get off the ground and throw some, throw some dunks down. And I don't know if I really believe that his athleticism has just been zapped. I, I don't know if I believe that. But I think the biggest issue is, yeah, his defense. I think that he's just – if your defense is so god-awful to a team that just off just paid you, they're paying him – what is it? It's a one-year deal for, like, what, 22 it's a, million it's a year, It's a two-year deal, but it's a team option in the second year, yeah. and I'm pretty sure it's 22 a year, yeah. Yeah, he's, it's pretty much like a prove-it deal. Like, if he doesn't prove anything that you're just going to decline him. So, like, with a team like that, they give you that much money. They want to see you prove yourself, and you're just – your defense is so horrible. Not just to start off the season, you're already coming off the bench. I think that's like the biggest thing about him. But I do believe that at some point, like if he plays well, he'll be inserted back into the starting lineup. If he like plays well off the bench. But yeah, I just wanted. I don't know if I believe the whole his athleticism has been zapped yet. Well, here's the thing. Okay, now you say so he can still get up and such. I have no doubt about that. Like it's not like he's a bum athlete, but. Um, you know, not to give Koof nom flashbacks or anything, but like, um, just because it's such an obvious comparison. Now, I don't think that it's been as bad as this, but so when people talk about Derrick Rose, for instance, and he'll make a play and people will go, oh, see, he's still got that athleticism. You need to go back, you know, and watch Derrick Rose before he got hurt, because it's not that Derrick Rose is now a bad athlete. He's still more athletic probably than most guys in the league. It's that before he got hurt, Derrick Rose was, I mean, he was such an absolute freak. He was hardly even human. He was so athletic. And so it's kind of like, once again, it's sort of, I think it's not unreasonable to suggest. Now, once again, part of it may well be that he just has not kept himself in good enough shape. And if he gets back into shape, he'll be fine. But it's sort of like, it may be that he lost just enough that he went from you know, the sort of supremely special, supremely potential, um, you know, the guy who was, he was the third pick or was he second? I don't remember for sure, but. I think he was second. Yeah. Just so, going off the top of my head. Yeah, second, second overall pick in the draft, like supreme prospect. And he may have lost just enough athleticism that even though he's still a really good athlete, even by NBA standards, he lost enough that he's no longer like, this is a supremely talented supremely, you know, just so incredibly full of potential to, well, now he's just, he's just a normal good athlete by NBA standards. And especially when you want to talk about questionable effort and not wanting it, maybe working hard enough, he's, he's really going to have to work, especially when a player like Laurie Markkinen comes back and they have Wendell Carter and Bobby Portis is making a name for himself. He's going to have to really bust his butt to make a name for himself on that roster before he gets buried in that big man rotation. Yeah. I mean, yeah, of course I still, I still believe in him. I, I mean, like I said, I don't like a couple years ago, I was an extremely high fan, big fan of him. I'm not as high on him as I was, but I still believe he has potential to be really good. Yeah. But whether he hits the potential is obviously it's looking dimmer and dimmer as the, as the days go by. Yeah. And let me be clear too. Like I'm not, 
this conversation should not mean that I think that Jabari Parker is done and he's never going to be anything. I thought I really liked him in Milwaukee. I do like him less now, just like Yuku, that I like him less now than I used to, but I still have some hope that he can become something. Um, I would say basically for the Pistons' purposes, for this game at least, um, probably not that likely that Jabari Parker is going to be a huge difference maker. And one thing, because he's been hurt so much, it's not unrealistic to suggest that he'll get into better shape as the season goes on. And so I would probably look for him to maybe hopefully find his stride later in the season. But yeah. in all likelihood for now, he's probably, I would say, I guess the best way to put it would be that Zach Levine is probably pretty clearly the main guy that the Pistons should be worried about, at least offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, he'll give back a lot of the points that he scores because he's such a bad defender. But he's got the greenest of green lights, and he's a really talented scorer. So, And he's a talented scorer in such a way that if he gets hot, he can just devastate you because he's such a good shooter. Yeah. So, you know, he's the type of guy who can nail off the dribble three-pointers. And those are those kind of guys that when they sort of get into a groove, they slaughter you single-handedly. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And particularly considering that the Pistons don't exactly have the strongest perimeter defenders in the world, um, well, I think Casey said today that Bullock and Stanley, or Bullock and Stanley, they both are like a go. They both look good today. Yeah, but so and I think if they put, I think Stanley will be able to do a decent job on him if he's put on. Ah, uh, I mean, I look Stanley Johnson can guard anybody, but I would probably say that um, S- S- Levine might be a l- is going to be a tough guard for him because Levine is a really yeah. fast, quick guy. Stanley's obviously a little bit bigger, and I'm blocks a fine defender. But once again, basically, the Pistons don't exactly have a guy on the roster who's a really high level defender for guys like Levine. Um, I believe a lot, and st- I obviously I think. I, th- I I don't believe in Stanley Johnson quite as much as you do, Koo, but like I believe in his defense with everything. I think he is as good as it gets on that end. So I'm not trying to downplay that, but just given that Levine is the guy to watch for. And so, you know, a lot of people you may think, particularly if you're a more casual NBA fan, uh, you may think, oh, well, Jabari Parker's just like Levine. You, we should be watching for him. I would probably say that Levine is the guy that the Pistons should be worried about more. So, and... Um, Tyler brought this up, but just as a reminder for people, Laura Markkinen, who had a really impressive rookie year last year for the Bulls, the power forward, the Finnish guy, really good shooter. He is hurt, so he's not going to be playing in this game. And, yeah, I mean, overall this Bulls team, they do have some offensive umph potentially. Zach Levine can score. In theory, Jabari Parker should be able to score. Bobby Portis can do some stuff. Wendell Carter's a decent shooter. Etc. Etc. But they. One I, more thing to um yeah. not forget also with this Bulls team is the first game they were missing Chris Dunn, their young point guard who they're looking to develop. He was out for paternity leave, so we might see yeah. him. We might not. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if Chris Dunn is really, and he's okay. He was okay last year, but I think he may just kind of just be a guy. Like he's fine, but and Justin Holiday is kind of the same way. I think where. Obviously, Holiday's a little older, but it's like, you know, I mean, he's fine, but I'm not sure if there's anything. Basically, when I watched the Bulls last year, which was not that regularly, but occasionally, um, I'm not sure that I saw anything out of Chris Dunn that really made him stand out 
he's a pretty good defender. He plays really hard on defense, at least. But I think he's yeah, just kind of a guy. Now, the one thing, of course, is that when Chris Dunn doesn't play, Cameron Payne is playing. So I suppose even if he is just kind of a guy who's okay, that's a pretty big <laughs> improvement over Cameron Payne. Yeah, I was about to say, if Cameron Payne's out there, then... Yeah, that guy, that dude, I don't know how he's still on... I don't know how I, I have no idea how he stayed on the roster. Yeah, I think Payne's made a bigger name for himself with the post or pregame dances that he did with Westbrook yes. when he played in OKC more than he has his gameplay itself. Well, to the be other honest. thing the other thing is that there was a brief stretch, I think it was in his rookie year, where people thought that Cameron Payne was really good. And there were people who were talking about him as potentially being that missing fifth starter for them. And uh yeah, that that's died off. Um, just it's just funny because there were there were several different points last year where there were stories coming out of Chicago about how everyone in the organization was like this guy's freaking terrible, and so I'm just I'm shocked that he's still yeah, on the roster. My, uh, I'm not gonna act like my friends from Chicago speak for everybody, but from, they're like my source to everything that's going on with, with the Bulls in Chicago, like just to get the feel of what the fans believe. They they can't stand Cameron, they can't stand Cameron Payne, and with Chris Dunn. They seem to be pre- decently high on him. They, I know. Um, I don't want to say for sure. I believe he. There was a rumor or something about him maybe being traded or something, or them trading for something else because uh, like a different point guard or something. And a lot of the, a lot of my friends I know from Chicago were against it because they're pretty high and done. So you know, I, I haven't seen much of him, but I do know that he's a he, get, he he's a pretty good defender. I think he's decently athletic too. Yeah. Well, I saw. I remember there was. Um, I saw a story. I don't know. I didn't look into it closely enough to know exactly how much truth there was to it. But supposedly, the Bulls organization and the Bulls are their upper management is not exactly pristine. So they may have been off on this. But packs. Yeah. Supposedly, they were not overly impressed with his off-season work ethic. I guess or something like that. Um. And I don't know, and the story, it was just a blurb I saw at one point, so I don't know exactly what the deal was or how much there was actually to it, but um, I think that that was what we were talking about, where they were thinking about maybe trading him because they were apparent, something or another he yeah. did this offseason really just did not impress them, which, once again, the Bulls are an organization at the top that that may not actually mean anything, but it's just... I don't know. The other thing that you have to remember is that even though he's only going into his third year, he's like 25. Yeah, so, he came in the league pretty old. So it's not like it's not like this is Stanley Johnson who is who came into the league at 19. This is this is a guy who he's 25. He's as, he's he's as old as Andre Drummond is. So I think he's 25. I'm pretty sure. But regardless of that, so I'd say. Because we're actually we're over forty minutes at this point, so we'll wrap up with um, what's just each of you guys. We'll all three of us. We'll just make um, Kuyu first, and Tyler you second, and I'll finish it off with um, just sort of one main thing that you want to see or that you're going to be watching for in this Bulls game. Number one thing, the only thing basically what I'm looking for. Well, not the only thing, but I really hope that we come out with better effort to start the game. Better effort, there's better execution, just. Uh, play way better than we did coming out the gate than we did against the Nets. That's the main thing I'll be looking forward to. 
Um, I think one thing that I really want to see more, um, I don't know the exact number off top, but in the preseason, we were the second most threes attempted. And the other night, we only had about 20-something. So I'm really 24. looking forward to see with more Luke minutes and Bullock coming back. To, I want to see more threes and good looks from the arc. Right, and I will say that my main thing will be I want to see, um, hmm, I don't know for sure. You actually, you actually took what I was gonna say there, Tyler. I want to see them. I want to see them shoot more threes. I suppose the main thing that I'll say is I want to see because obviously, assuming Bullock and Stanley both play and are ready to go, I want to see what Dwayne Casey's rotations end up being because other than Lure, they should be they should have everybody going so that we can start to get some sort of an idea of with everyone healthy and ready to go where he sees everyone's roles. So that's the main thing that I'll be watching for in this game. And, yeah, so any last thoughts real quick from either of you guys? Um, just real quick, while we were doing this pod, I've been watching this Warriors game, and I don't know if anybody else has seen this, but Steph Curry is, like, he is just otherworldly. He snapped in this third quarter. I'm sure everyone's going to know about this by the time you hear this, but this guy is just You just picked up on insane. that, Koo? Hey, hey, Koo, did you know he won back-to-back MVPs a couple of years ago? Did you know Yeah, that? I know. Yeah. But, now, come on, Joe, come on. That, that man, that's um, it's a good thing we have you here for such, such expert analysis as yeah, Steph Curry actually, is very yeah, good at basketball. <laughs> Steph Curry's Steph Curry's great. First I'm, heard it here. I'm not. Yeah, but, I'm not sure how would anyone have figured that out without you here to tell us. Steph I mean, Curry well, is good at basketball. Like the Utah, like, like I'm sure everyone would know, but but Utah was like beating them by double points, and then Steph Curry had got a bloody nose off of a bad hit at a legal screen. Came back in the third quarter and dropped sixteen on him. He was just going off on him, like they they pissed him off, and now he's dominating them. That dude, I you know, I, I was joking just now, but like that dude, jeez, that guy is so good. It is, it's utterly, it's stupid how good Steph Curry is. There is no way around it. That dude is so good. Any last thoughts from you, Tyler? Uh, no, other than that, I'm just hoping to see um, a healthy season for the Pistons, and hopefully they do have a good game this week. Yeah, um, I suppose the last thought I'll make is that a reminder that these sorts of games are ones that the Pistons this year really have to make sure that they take care of business because they're pretty much all the way healthy. And once again, if you're smart at this point, you kind of have to assume Blake's going to miss at least like 10 games. It'd be safe to assume Reggie Jackson's going to miss a few games, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, when you're all the way healthy and you're playing against a team that you are better than, you, it'll be important for the Pistons not to blow it because in all likelihood, at some point this season, they're going to go through a stretch where it's going to be much more difficult, whether because just the schedule's harder or because they have some injuries. So when you're in a situation where you're all the way healthy and you're playing a team that you're better than, it's going to be important for them to not blow it. And yeah, so hopefully they win. And uh, please don't forget, I've, I forgot to say this last two podcasts I was supposed to and I forgot to. Um, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on however you listen to it, whether iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or whatever. And um, yeah, so everybody stay beautiful and go Pistons.